Welcome into the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. They led most of the way, but Illinois cannot finish the job in Bloomington at the Simon Scott Assembly Hall. As Simon Scott. Call, however you want to pronounce it. There's a little, feels a little Norwegian in there with the spelling. Andy Olson and Brett Barron's with you as the Illini fall 71-68 to the Hoosiers for the second time this season. This one was a little bit more competitive than the last time these two teams played, Brett. You were there in Bloomington with coverage from the game. And like I said off the top, Illinois really paced this one. Led for 26 minutes from the halfway point of the first half until the 30-second to go mark in the second half. Illinois led that entire time, but just not enough at the end to uh, get this one to go the Illini's way. Yeah, and a lot of credit to Illinois without its best player, Terrence Shannon Jr., sideline concussion protocol. Brought into it said after the game, he went in there directly after the Penn State game. They knew from that point he probably wasn't going to play today. Didn't even make the trip here to Bloomington. And they came out inspired, played a whole lot better than Tuesday night in Happy Valley. And Underwood, not all that displeased after the game. I think he was pretty encouraged overall with his team's performance and how they were able to compete without Terrence, how they were able to defend and in, in keeping Indiana at bay for most of the game. And I understand that Trace Jackson Davis still had 25 plus, but they made it a whole lot harder on him this time around doubling him. Imagine that you double an all American and things change a little bit compared to when he had 35 in champagne, but Brad said that this was maybe the most pleased he's been with his team. He feels encouraged that they had that fight in them without Terrence. Obviously, you want to have Shannon in the game for you. He's, he's a game changer. Uh, but overall, I, I thought they played very well. All things considered, you get contributions from multiple guys. Matthew Meyer steps up with four first half threes. Doesn't have any in the second half. But, you know, this is the, this is the team that's scrappy. They wanted to fight it out. And, and I also think it's interesting too, Andy, that your stat of holding teams to 69 or less were right there at the mark again in, yep. in Illinois, not able to do it once again, losing another game when they allow 70 points or more. Yeah. The, yeah. What Brett said, 70 points or more teams are seven and zero against the Illini. And when Illinois holds them 69 points or below, Illinois is undefeated. So for some reason, it's that magic mark for the Illini offense and defense to, to truly get it done. Uh, Matthew Meyer took a lot of the scoring uh, responsibilities for Illinois on the day. 26 points, he made four threes. The most important shot of the game, though, Brett, he passes up and gives to R.J. Melendez, who was 0 for 5 from the floor to that point with less than a second left. His shot is no good. Brian Underwood said in the postgame press conference he thought that that was in and they were going to overtime. But Melendez couldn't get it to go, and it's it's almost like he has the yips at this point. There's really nothing going right for the sophomore. And, uh, and, and to be honest, it was an open shot, though, Brett. If they were going to give – you didn't want to give it to RJ in that moment, but he was the one who was left open. And uh, I don't know what you do differently in that sequence in the final five seconds to end the game. It happened right in front of me, Andy, and he was open. I mean, you got to step up and make the shot. I feel terrible for RJ – just from the human end of it, because the dude has obviously got some confidence issues, struggling, threw up an air ball in the game, gets his first start since December with Terrence not making the trip. And you you would have hoped that it just could have instilled some confidence in him. But he missed four layups, 
you know, doesn't make a field goal. It's only points of the game or two free throws. And the, the interesting thing about it, I have no issue with Matt passing because they were, they were doubling him. They, they wanted to make sure that Meyer did not take that last shot, which look, that's what a good team does. But Underwood subbed in Melendez for Goody with about 30 seconds left when those free throws for Jaden, when Epps missed the front end of the two free throws, made the second. In comes RJ, and, and I'm sitting there on the baseline thinking, what is he doing here? Like, I, I can't understand why Luke was not in the game at that point, and RJ was. And it comes up that Luke has the last shot, or that RJ has the last shot instead of Luke. And look, Goody had already made a three in the game. He's still coming back, but he did play a season high 23 minutes, scored seven points. I thought he was very impactful in the game. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around how RJ was in the game there. But Brad said afterwards that nobody's a bigger fan of RJ than Brad and that he's got all the confidence in the world in him. But look, it, it has been a very, very difficult stretch here for RJ, difficult season. Brad also admitted that saying that they need RJ to, to come around. And, and when he does and when he gets right, that he's going to make an impact. And I believe that he can make an impact. It's just at some point you have to go down the road and say, is it going to happen this year? And I, I don't know when that right time is. A lot of Illini fans would already say that time has come and gone. But, you know, I, from my vantage point, would have made a lot more sense to have Luke take that open three than RJ. Yeah, clearly, I think at that point, Brad probably favors RJ's defense over Luke's at this point. If he's seven after the missed free throws by Jaden. And credit to Illinois, they almost got that 10-second violation on that inbound right before the TJD uh, wide-open dunk to make it a three-point game. Uh, I can't recall if Illinois had any timeouts left. Um, I know no, they didn't, Andy. Exactly. So, and, so there was no change that they could have made. It, Brad trusted the defense to maybe get a stop or like a, a stoppage in play. But once the basket was made, there was no substituting at that point for Illinois. Yeah, and the really tough part about it there, and I understand they're trying to get the 10-second call, but there's got to be some kind of communication to foul before then so that you don't have a run-out dunk like they had or a wide-open shot. And – Brad also credited after the game. Part of that is they have not played a lot of these close games. They were either winning or losing by nine or more points, and most of the time double digits. You think back in the last month, they played Iowa close in an 81-79 loss, and they played this game close in a 71-68 game. Other than that, there really haven't been that many close games. And when you have as many newcomers, I'm talking in the last, let's just say, six weeks, Big Ten play since it's restarted. And when you have all these newcomers and then you have all these freshmen, how you respond in those moments, I'm not really sure that you can sit here and say, well, we know what we're going to do until you do them. Look, the 10 second call is one thing. I just think you got to foul. You got to find a way to foul to extend the game there at some point. Giving out a run out is a really, really tough way to have it in. One of the big moments of the game was when Coleman Hawkins driving the basket Throws down a monster slam against Trace Jackson Davis. A really uh, impactful moment for the Illini with some energy coming out. Coleman uh, is feeding into that and gives out a yell, a scream, or something like that. And gets a technical called on him for it. Uh, Indiana getting the free throws and then the ball after that. Hoosiers went on a little bit of a run, but Illinois still going into halftime with the lead. 
in the end, those points don't make the difference, but I feel like certainly the energy shifted from that technical foul that allowed Indiana to go on that run that could be looked at in, in the end as something that was the difference between these two teams, Brett. I know that was on the opposite side from you, I believe, but did you hear like what he said or like a scream or anything like that? It seemed like the tech uh, on both sides of these fan bases uh, seemed to be a little bit of a soft call. Yeah, look, he definitely yelled something, and it was a four-letter word, but the reality <laughs> is, is that these guys yell stuff all the time. I asked Brad after the game what the refs told him about that taunting call. And, you know, he gave, I thought, a little bit of an insightful answer, just saying that, look, this stuff happens all the time. Are you really going to pick that moment? It's not like he, from what I could tell, and by he being Coleman, got in anyone's face and, you know, went off. It, It was more to the side thing. And, you know, you're yelling and, the other part of this equation, Andy, is that Coleman's – he's a energetic player. He, you know, he's an emotional player. And Brad said that he, he doesn't necessarily – you know, he he's fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, he wants his guys to play with passion and energy. But Coleman's had a couple of these calls, and I do feel like guys get reputations. Same thing with Andre Carbello last year. Like, look, there's a there's a line, and when you cross it, multiple times refs are going to be on the lookout for that and i I do feel like coleman has a little bit of a reputation for that but you know to call it in that moment it's like i just feel like you suck the fun out of it a little bit you know and even if it would have been the same on the other side i would have said the same thing you know like why are the refs getting in the way of of just part of basketball nowadays i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just this is what it's become and and these guys Play with a lot of high energy and high passion, and he posterized TJD. I mean, like that dunk was awesome, and for for it to end that way in a 7-0 run is is what led to it. Those are plays and and moments in the game that when you lose by three, add up. Yeah, and if you're wondering what Trace Jackson Davis thought of it, the one who was posterized. On that dunk, he said after the game on Twitter, I love it. The game needs to be competitive in response to, uh, I believe this is an Indiana fan page saying that uh, Coleman or anyone who has a dunk of that sort should be able to say something without a technical foul uh, being given his way. So Trace Jackson Davis is fine with it. Uh, I don't know what the referees saw in that that moment that uh, made them want to make that call, but Whatever it is, it happens. Um, and since we're talking well, about the, Trace, oh, so go ahead, Brett. The one thing I'll add too is Coleman got fouled on the play. <laughs> that's that's the other thing that yeah. the refs missed on that is, is he got hit in the head pretty hard. At least it appeared to be pretty hard on that play, and he was motioning to his head afterwards as he came down the court. Look, that's a reviewable play in my eyes. If you get hit on the head, I don't know if it would have been in that circumstance, but. I mean, just stuff like that, and it goes for either side. It's it's not just Illinois. When refs call that kind of stuff, it's like, man, just just let them play. You know what I mean? I, I don't. When they start taking account into it, I, I understand why fans get upset. No, I understand a hundred percent. I feel like that's those sorts of moments should not be uh, officiated the way that they were today. Uh, since we're talking about Trace Jackson Davis, Brett, you mentioned off the top that the 
Uh, double teaming seemed to have worked a little bit better than when they just left whoever was on him. It was Coleman Hawkins at points. Others switched on to Trace Jackson Davis back in Champaign, leaving the single person just out there to be destroyed by one of the best players in college basketball. They do double team him today. Doesn't make too much of a difference as Trace gets his points. He had 26. Um, he had a lot of rebounds and blocks as well. Uh, what did you make the way that the Illini uh, defended him and Brad Underwood's assessment after the game that he thought overall they did a pretty good job for how good he is? Well, he didn't say that, hey, Trace was going to get his 35 or whatever, and then he was okay with Trace getting 35 like he did in Champaign. Look, they got to do something different, and they did. You're not going to stop him. I mean, heck, if they would have kept him under 20, I felt like that would have been a huge win for Illinois. So for him to have 26, I mean, that's is what it is. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think they did a poor job on him. A couple of those buckets were too easy. He had that bucket right before halftime where Illinois just seemingly gave up on the play and he was able to corral the ball and, and throw it in. I thought they did a much better combined effort uh, guarding him between Coleman and Dane. Dane got a couple first-half fouls there, and we saw some leave action early in that first half. Um, I thought Ty Rogers came in and, and defended pretty well on him as well, and he continues to be active and a really nice presence for the Illini off the bench. So it, it just, in my eyes, is what it is with TJD. Like you mentioned, he's one of the best players in the country. You know, keeping him around 20 to 25, I, I feel like he's pretty good. And they made his con they, they made his shots a lot more contested. You know, they made him work a whole lot more than they did at Champaign. Um, I'd, I'd love to see this matchup again, you know, like we had last year at the Big Ten Tournament. I think this would be a really, really fun matchup for a third time. And I also understand that it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow for a Lion Nation that you got swept by Indiana this year in the regular season. 75% of the Big Ten season done. A quarter left, Brett. Illinois now sits at 8-7. and seven. If you break it down by quarters of this year, they start 2-3 and three in the first, then go 4-1, and one, and now finish off this third quarter of the Big Ten season, 2-3 and three once again. Uh, some interesting matchups still to go for the Illini, but where do you make of them right now as we get into the final five games of the regular season? So as we tape this, tied for eighth in the Big Ten, but they're still only a game out of fourth. <laughs> it's it's going to be a crazy finish here. You know, and when you look at the schedule, they've got four games in nine days. This was the first of that stretch, which, look, it is what it is, you know. I mean, that's an NBA stretch there. Just They can make whatever they want out of it, but go play the games, you know. You get a Minnesota team Monday, then you face Northwestern. I feel like if they can go 500 or a game above in this final stretch, you feel pretty good about where they're at. That's including Purdue in that to figure out, to finish out the regular season. And you're at West Lafayette. Not saying Purdue's unbeatable because they've certainly showed that they're not is the Boilermakers losing a couple of games have made it interesting here in the big 10. But mm -hmm. if I had to predict it right now, and then they're eight and seven, you, you know, do they go 11 and 9? I feel like that'd be okay. Pretty good for where they're at. 10 and 10 seems like okay as well, you know, and, and maybe realistic in there. If they were somehow 12 and 8, I, I think you'd feel very, very good about that. But that's very unlikely at this point. Yeah. And there are a lot of different ways this can go. And there are 
aren't a lot of pushovers left in the rest of the schedule. Northwestern has shown that they are legit. Ohio State, you have them on the road, and they feel like they have a lot of good players and just have not put it together this Big Ten season at all. Uh, Michigan coming to State Farm Center should be a fun one. And then, like you said, at Purdue, not as invincible as they once seemed, but certainly uh, clearly the toughest task still ahead for the Illini. Uh, like you said, Minnesota on Monday, though, so it's a quick one. This is the COVID cancellation game from February 7th being rescheduled in between these uh, few days for the Illini. So we'll hear from Brad Underwood again tomorrow, that being Sunday. You can hear from him on uh, WCIA uh, tomorrow on the news. And then we'll be back here on the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast on Monday night. It's an 8 p.m. tip-off against the Golden Gophers, a game the Illini should win, but if they're without Terrence Shannon Jr. still, as he's in concussion protocol, there's no timeline for his return. If they're a little bit tired from having to play so many games in a row here, you never know what can happen. So I'm sure Illinois is happy to have home court advantage in that one. Brett, any final thoughts as we wrap up here? I just think overall, I don't think Illinois fans should be all that discouraged by what they saw today. It was a competitive game against one of the best teams in the country. Indiana in that projected 1-16 through 16 seed list today released by the NCAA they're a very good team and for Illinois to go compete in that environment and play without their best player uh, I, I thought was a win for them you just got to take care of business Monday and then head into Thursday's game against Northwestern and try and protect home court because if you get swept by Northwestern and Indiana in the same year you know I mean that's four games right there that make the difference especially in Big Ten tournament seating and just trying to get some more quad win, quad one wins to pad that resume heading into the NCAA tournament. For sure. Should be a fun week and a little bit uh, end to the season here as uh, we're just a few weeks away now from the Big Ten tournament up in Chicago at the United Center. I uh, appreciate every moment of it because it's going to be a fun ride to end the season. For Brett, I'm Andy. Like I said, we will talk to you after the next game Monday against Minnesota. Should be a fun one. We will see you then. Oh, uh-huh.